This is Adopted with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning, here be spoilers. Welcome to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam. In this podcast, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie or TV show based on that book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us. In today's episode, we will be talking about Persuasion by Jane Austen. Um, It is quite possibly my favorite movie, so this is... I'm, I'm not sure that I have much snark in me for this episode because I love this book. I love this movie so much. It's a fa- fantastic adaptation, and I don't have a lot of bad things to say about it. I can't think of anything bad to say about it. No, and I, I totally like totally agree. This is definitely one of my top Jane Austen books and movies as well. And so, you know, the snark will come from the fact that Jane Austen does so well with her characters. The snark's going to come from Jane Austen, not yes, from us. Exactly. Like we are just we are just her vessels for for the snark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anna, so should we start off with our six degrees? Yes, so if you played along at home, last episode was Murder on the Orient Express. Sam, can you get us to persuasion in six steps? All right, I will do my best. So today, again, I did my typical actors of six rather than movies because I can't seem to help myself. But I managed to fit in two of the Murder on the Orient Expresses that we talked about last time. So I was really proud of myself there. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so we start off with Kenneth Branagh, who was in Much Ado About Nothing with Flitta Law, a.k.a. the mother of both Emma Thompson and Sophie Thompson. Very important to know. Flitta Law was in Miss Austin Regrets with Hugh Bonneville. Nice Austin reference in there. Thank you. I really hit it out of the park today. Uh, Hugh Bonneville was in Murder and the Murder on the Orient Express with Toby Jones. Oh, right. Yes. One. Yes. Mm-hmm. Toby Jones was in Ever After with Angelica Houston. And then Angelica Houston was in The Royal Tenenbaums with Gwyneth Paltrow, who was in Emma with Sophie Thompson, a.k.a. Mary. Oh, I keep forgetting that Sophie Thompson, who plays Mary in Persuasion, is Emma Thompson's sister. Yes, and she was Miss Bates in Emma. See, I recognized her from that. I just forgot about the family connection. And you told me about that. I I still forgot. They don't, well, I mean, they kind of look alike, but not really. I mean, if... Yeah, they have very stif- different yes. coloring. And, and... Like, Emma Thompson definitely favors her mother more than Sophie Thompson does. Mm-hmm. Like, when Emma and, and Felita Law are standing together, you're like, oh, yeah, you're a mother-daughter. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so what was yours? Well, so I did, there is a direct line because Amanda Root, who plays Anne Elliot in Persuasion, right, um, was in an episode of Agatha Christie's Poirot starring David Suchet. Um, not the Murder on the Orient Express episode, but she was in the episode Mrs. McGinty's Dead. So I could draw, like, a, a dotted no, line. Like, no degrees. <laughs> um, and I did try and set out to do something, like, really challenging and Jane Austen-y. Like, can I get through all of this Austen's movies? But then I realized I had, like, to sleep at some point. Yeah. So I, I didn't do quite as um, qu- quite as many beats as I wanted to. I did get one more uh, Jane Austen in there. So There you go. I also started with... Kenneth Branagh from Murder on the Orient Express. He makes it too easy. And I also went to Much Ado About Nothing, <laughs> um, which, uh, but I connected him to his ex-wife, Emma Thompson. Oh, yeah. Who was in Sense and Sensibility with Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. 
I miss him. I Yes, everyone does. Alan Rickman was in Quigley Down Under with Tom Selleck. Oh my god, I've seen that movie. We won't talk about it. Well, Tom Selleck was in Three Men and a Little Lady with Fiona Shaw. I have seen that movie. (laughs) I have seen that movie more than once. (laughs) I can quote that movie. Um, And then, of course, Fiona Shaw is in Persuasion playing the wonderful Mrs. Croft. So those are my six degrees. I almost was able to get to to Persuasion using uh, Geraldine McEwen, who played Miss Marple. Right. But I couldn't quite make it work, and I just, I kept going down the rabbit hole of British actors. We realized that you connected a British actor back to themselves. Yes. It's, it just got it's this, circular. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. It's like that Excel file error you get when you get a circular reference, and it just, like, you keep going around and around, and oh, then you, you die. You just you just got too nerdy for me. That was it. That was the line. <laughs> Excel I was references. Wa- <laughs> it's like, I was oh, wondering where I would cross Jane it. Jane Austen, 80s movies, you're fine, you're fine. Excel references, too nerdy. <laughs> and I, I use Excel. It's not like I don't. It's just, I don't talk about it. <laughs> I apologize to all our listeners. I crossed the line, and I'm so sorry. A road too far. <laughs> um. And I don't know if you guys know, but Rupert has joined us again today. Yes, we so are joined we, by our co-host Rupert. We are so lucky. Yep. We can't. We can't kick him out. Nope. No, we can't. Cats can't live with him. So Anna, do you and Rupert want to tell us your book report today? Rupert, what did you think of the book? No, no. no of course he, I'm quiet. sorry. Everything he says is so offensive. It All really right. is. So. <clears throat> Persuasion by Jane Austen was first published in 1817, six months after Austen's death. It is her last fully published novel, and it was actually first co-published with Austen's first completed novel, Northanger Abbey, which she completed in 1803, but was not published before that. The Persuasion Northanger Abbey double bill was the first time Jane Austen was publicly named as the author. Her previous works have been published anonymously. Because that's what women had to do. Because no one would buy books written by women. Persuasion begins with Sir Walter Elliot, Baronet, and his obsession with a book called The Baronetage, a compilation of the baronetcies in Britain. I just said the word baronet in three different ways in one <laughs> sentence. The, baronet, the baronetcies in Britain, their histories, and the individuals associated with them. His favorite entry is, of course, the one about the Elliots. Sir Walter is a widower in his 50s who was handsome in his youth, he considered the blessing of beauty as inferior only to the blessing of a baronetcy, and the Sir Walter Elliot who united these gifts was the constant object of his warmest respect and devotion. So that's snark number one from Miss Austen. <laughs> Sir Walter's late wife, Lady Elliot, was a woman far superior in sense and character, and when she died, her best friend, Lady Russell, did her best to provide guidance and instruction to their three daughters that her surviving husband could not. Lady Russell is described as of steady age and character. I guess that's better than the way that Christie described Lady Dragomiroff in Murder on the Orange Express. Old and ugly. (laughs) I mean, it's implied. (laughs) I mean, age and character is just a nice way of saying old and ugly. She's got a great personality. (laughs) I wonder how many people say that about me. I don't. (laughs) And you don't want to hear what Rupert says about you. (laughs) Uh, next we are introduced to the rest of his family the two younger daughters don't take up much of his attention mary is at least married Anne is ignorable his eldest elizabeth is beautiful and proud and her father's bff 
The two of them are very satisfied with their own importance and beauty, and Elizabeth is fortunate enough to be aging so gracefully that her father sometimes forgets that she is already 29 and still unmarried. Elizabeth herself has a harder time forgetting. She is also especially bitter that her father's heir, her cousin William Walter Elliot, snubbed her years ago after she had set her considerable cap at him. Burn. And the book of baronets that specifically mentions this Mr. Elliot, her younger sister's marriage, and her own increasing age, holds far less pleasure for her than for her father. But now there's a problem. Since his wife's death, Sir Elliot has spent money the way he thinks a Sir Walter Elliot baronet should be able to spend money, and has not paid attention to whether his expenditure is equal to his income. It has not been, and his debts are adding up. Lady Russell, along with his agent, Mr. Shepherd, advised Sir Elliot and Elizabeth to find ways to cut expenses, to retrench. I love that word. It is not a word we use much no. in modern day, and I feel like that's a mistake. It's a big mistake. When I first, we need to bring it back. When I first experienced the movie, because I think I watched the movie before I actually read the book. Oh. You know, a million years ago. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. dinosaur took the earth. <laughs> um, when they get all upset about retrenching, I was like, oh, what, is retren what does it mean to retrench? And I actually, I, I Googled it when I was preparing for this, and it's like, it just means spend less money. Yeah. Yep. Like, that's all it's, it means. It's exactly but, what you think it means, but you're like, that's too easy. But retrench has so much weight. Right. You're going to retrench. Yeah. And the way they say it in the film, they're like, <gasps> retrench. <gasps> it's like horror upon horror is shock. You're like, right. <gasps> it's like almost as bad as, um, you know, kind of illegitimate or something like that. Right. Yeah. Illegitimate. Retrench. Mm -hmm. uh, trade. People oh, God. Don't trade. even talk about oh. trades, people, to the Elliots. Right. So, um, Retrenching actually isn't that bad, uh, but the suggestions of less travel, fewer servants and horses, and slightly less expensive food, or as Sir Walter puts it, all the delicacies of a, excuse me, all the decencies of a private gentleman are rebuffed. Sir Walter is so inflamed, he says he'd rather quit his, his ancestral home, Kellynch Hall, at once. This hyperbolic suggestion soon becomes the preferred option. Sir Walter can rent Kellynch Hall and live somewhere else for far less. The group settles on Bath, as it is less expensive than London, and Sir Walter is less likely to get himself in trouble. But there's still plenty of entertainment entertainment and society. Anne does not like Bath, but no one cares what she thinks. Which, you know, is typical. Right. Now that the decision has been made to rent Kellidge Hall, they have to find a tenant, which is made slightly more difficult since Walter refuses to advertise and will only rent if someone comes to him and asks if he would consider renting to him, and the person was highly ranked enough and personally attractive enough. Because clearly someone's going to be like, oh, Sir Walter, you must be wanting to let your house. Can I Right, I just spontaneously sense. I assume that the lower order than Austin's world are just a little psychic. They must be. Yeah. Somehow, miraculously, Mr. Shepherd is able to find a potential tenant among the naval officers lately returning ashore with money in their pockets. A married man with no children named Admiral Croft. Oh, one of my favorites. I know, he's so great. So finally, we're in chapter four, and we start hearing the thoughts of our heroine, Anne Elliot. If you were unfamiliar with the story and just picked up the book without reading the description, you would have to get to chapter four before even getting a hint that Anne mattered to the story. Anne is overwhelmed with emotion that her family neither notices or cares about at the mention of the Crofts. She knows who Admiral and Mrs. Croft are, although she's never met them, because seven years before she fell in love with and was briefly engaged to Mrs. Croft's brother, a sailor named Captain Frederick Wentworth. Oh, dreamy. It's a great name. He had no money and few connections, and only himself to recommend him. Lady Russell advised Anne strongly against it, believing that the beautiful, well-bred, and intelligent daughter of a baronet, even a silly and vain one, shouldn't throw herself away so easily. 
Anne was convinced to break it off, for his sake as well as her own, and break it off she did. But since then she has remained at home without seeing any other man to tempt her heart. She had received a proposal from the son of a wealthy landowner named Charles Musgrove, but when she declined him, he ended up marrying her younger sister, Mary. We'll meet more of the Musgroves later. Anne's beauty has since faded. She has barely left her home or made any other friends, and all this while she has loved only Captain Wentworth, whose sister was about to move into her house. Talk about your drama and your thought in, like, inside. I know. Ugh. And she can't talk to anyone about no, it. No, can't even talk to Lady Russell, her Lady Russell confidant. is, like, just not, doesn't get it. No, no, she doesn't. And she's afraid to bring it up with Lady Russell. Her consolation is that no one in her small group seems to know about or remember the brief engagement besides herself, and she would be safely in Bath before Mrs. Croft could host her brother in Kellynch. But before the family can leave, her hypochondriac younger sister Mary, who dwells in the nearby village of Uppercross, is feeling ill and needs her sister Anne to take care of her. Elizabeth decides Anne should stay since nobody will want her in Bath. Of course not. Of course not. No one cares about Anne. And it seems inevitable that Anne will have to see her former love again. This also gives Elizabeth the perfect excuse to invite a friend to travel with her in the place of her sister, and her bestie these days is Mr. Shepherd's widowed daughter, Mrs. Clay. I always forget she's a widow. I don't know why. Um, there's just so many widows in this book, I think it's easy to lose track. Yeah. Sir Walter is a widower. Mm-hmm. Mr. Elliot's a widower. Yep. Lady Russell, Mrs. Clay, Mrs. Smith, um, uh, yeah. Lady Dalrymple. Yes. Just everyone's Ugh. spouse dies, and then the book starts, pretty much. That's, yeah. That's the instigating incident. <laughs> Everybody dies. Yes, everyone dies. Um, By dinosaurs. <laughs> to tie it back to the first incident. There were dinosaurs. <laughs> Anne and Lady Russell do not approve of the friendship with Mrs. Clay. They consider her a very unequal rank um, and an inappropriate friend for Elizabeth. They also fear that she is an inferior companion for the widowed and susceptible Sir Walter. But Elizabeth won't be persuaded to do anything she doesn't want to do, so Mrs. Clay goes to Bath and Anne goes to Uppercross. Now we get to meet the last Elliot sister, Mary, and her in-laws, the Musgroves. Oh, Mary. Mary is debatably less awful than Elizabeth. In different ways. In, yeah, I mean, they're, they're both we could awful. spend an entire episode comparing and contrasting the awfulness of the Elliots, and I feel like we will we'll spend get there. some time we'll on get that. There. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary is proud and self-important and constantly seeing slights to herself and evils in everyone else's behavior towards her. She is married to Charles and has two sons. Uh, there's also her in-laws, Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove, who live in the Great House uh, just up the road, and they have a passel of other children, including two eldest daughters, Miss Henrietta and Miss Louisa Musgrove. The other children, their exact number, names, and ages are not worth mentioning by Austin or anyone else. Mary and Anne visit the Musgroves. They are fond of Anne and welcome her into the family group. And soon Anne settles into her new role as sister and healer, beloved aunt, and confidant to all the various Musgroves. Although, unfortunately, this means she hears far too many complaints from Mary about everyone else, Mm -hmm. and far too many hints from everyone else about Mary's mismanagement of her children, household, and her own petty behavior. All is well for a few weeks. Eventually, the Crofts move into Kellynch, and Anne must meet them. Admiral and Mrs. Croft are hashtag relationship goals. Oh my god, they seriously. Are the best married couple. I wouldn't, like, if I ever get there, I want that. Yeah, I want to be them when I grow up. Yeah. They've been married for almost 20 years, and for most of that time, Mrs. Croft has traveled with her husband. 
She is kind and courteous to Anne and seems to have no idea that Anne was once engaged to her brother. She reveals that the that same brother will soon visit. Anne is spared her first meeting by her nephew falling out of a tree and breaking his collarbone. Yay, nephew! Thank you, young Charles. Save the day. Captain Wentworth actually stops by the great house and meets with the rest of the Musgroves, but Anne is too busy taking care of the hurt child, soothing his scared brother, tending to the hysterical Mary, and holding the household together until her brother-in-law and the apothecary arrive to go to the great house. But Henrietta and Louisa soon visit and are not so worried about their nephew, not to mention how handsome and agreeable Captain Wentworth is and that he's coming over for dinner the next night. Charles decides to go to dinner and meet the famous Captain Wentworth. Mary is angry and petulant and has one of my favorite lines. Quote, if there is anything disagreeable going on, men are always sure to get out of it. I mean, she's not wrong. She is not wrong. Sometimes Mary is quite wise. I don't like to say that, but it's true. No. Well, it's okay. You're just saying it into a recording that will be better for all time. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Mary convinces herself that she can't be useful to her son either, and Anne encourages her to go and leave the boy to her care. So Mary and Charles go to meet Captain Wentworth, and Anne is spared the reunion for one more night. But the next morning, Wentworth is there after breakfast, and within a few minutes they have seen each other again, been reintroduced, and he is gone. She is overwhelmed, although she knows that after almost eight years, it is unreasonable to be so overwhelmed. She also wonders if he has any remnant of feeling for her. She soon has her answer, for Mary returns and has no qualms to say that Captain Wentworth has commented that Anne was so altered he should not have known her again. Anne is hurt, but accepts that she lost him forever a long time ago, and she can now move on. Mm. Meanwhile, Frederick Wentworth is as handsome as ever, rich from the war, and ready to get married. He is soon happily ensconced as a family favorite with the Musgroves, and everyone seems to think that one of the two Miss Musgroves will be his future bride. He's got Char- a checklist. Yeah, right? It's like, likes the Navy? Check. Check. Between the ages of 15 and 40? Check. Check. Mm-hmm. A female? Is female? Check. Check. Yep. Mm-hmm. Breathing. Breathing check. check, yep. He's very picky. He really is. I gotta say, handsome, rich dude in a uniform has trouble finding a bride. That, that does not ring true. It's a very unrealistic yeah. story. Yeah, it is. Charles wants Wentworth to marry Louisa so Henrietta can marry his cousin, Charles Hayter. Mary dislikes the Haters as an inferior, inferior connection, so she thinks Henrietta should marry Wentworth. And they both turn to Anne to decide which one the captain is in love with. Anne is forced to observe as the captain is flirted with by both her young rivals. She is virtually a stranger to him and is reminded over and over again of the deep connection they once shared, though they never speak now. Hints are dropped. He refers to the year six and his first ship, the Asp, and how desperately glad he was to get her, and only Anne knows his relief was due to her severing their engagement. One of my favorite quotes from this book, um, from Mrs. Croft. So Captain Wentworth claims he does not like having ladies on board a ship because it is not comfortable enough for him, for them. And his sister, who has spent perhaps more time on ships than he has, says, I hate to hear you talking so like a fine gentleman and as if women were all fine ladies instead of rational creatures. We none of us expect to be in smooth water all our lives. Oh, I love all our her. days. So, Mrs. Croft is the best. She is the best. Henrietta's suitor, Charles Hayter, perhaps jealous of the dashing Captain Wentworth's constant presence at Uppercross, comes to visit the cottage at the same time as Wentworth, and due to bad timing, are left alone in the room with Anne and the two children while Mary and Charles are out of the room. Anne is attending to injured little Charles, and little Walter, his brother, grabs her from behind and refuses to let go. Charles Hayter bids him to release his aunt, but the boy refuses. The captain, without a word, lifts little Walter off of Anne and carries him away to distract him. 
Anne is unable to thank him and is left to wonder at both his kindness and his coldness. She is overwhelmed with emotion at this minuscule interaction, even now when all hope is lost. It's the little moments like that. Mm -hmm. They are thrown together again soon after, when the Miss Mosgroves, Charles, Mary Wentworth, and Anne all find themselves going on a long walk together. The Musgroves are incapable of doing anything except in large groups. That's true. Henrietta and Louisa set out together with no intention of inviting everyone else. It just kind of happened. And soon they're all trooping across the countryside. It soon becomes clear that the purpose of the walk is to visit the haters and mend the rift between Charles Hader and Henrietta. Louisa seems to be the driving force behind this all. And when they reach the property, Mary refuses to visit the Hader house. Henrietta and Charles go alone. And while they wait, Louisa has the captain to herself and is soon bragging of her interference on her sister's behalf and her own firmness of mind. Captain Wentworth praises her determination not to be persuaded by others, perhaps not realizing Anne is overhearing all of this. Louisa also informs Wentworth that all the Musgroves wished Charles had married Anne instead of Mary. Hey, Wentworth, she turned somebody else down too. Maybe you shouldn't be so full of yourself, hey? Or, alternately, she turned down someone else for you. Yes. Dummy. Hello. So dumb. So handsome. So dumb. <laughs> so typical. Charles and Henrietta soon return with a smiling Charles hater, and the rift is more than mended. They head back and are soon met by Admiral and Mrs. Croft out for a country drive. The Crofts have room for one more person if any of the ladies are tired. Captain Wentworth whispers to his sister, and she immediately invites Anne specifically to ride with her. Again, without speaking to her, Wentworth has interceded on her behalf to ease her burden, and she cannot thank him nor even comprehend its meaning, other than that he continues to see her and notice her, though he barely acknowledges her. Ugh, her clumps. I know. Anne's visit to Uppercross will end soon, but before, before she leaves, all of the young people head to Lyme, a seaside town, for an off-season jaunt to visit uh, Captain Wentworth's friend, Captain Harville, and his family. So Charles, Mary, Anne, Louisa, and Henrietta, and Captain Wentworth all head to the seashore and the house of the Harvilles. Captain Harville and his wife are open and kind, even though they have limited resources, and quickly make friends with everybody. Living with them is another sailor and a friend of Captain Wentworth's named Captain Benwick. Benwick is a tragic figure. He had been promised to Harville's sister, Fanny, but before they could be married, Fanny died while Benwick was at sea. Benwick now steeps himself in poetry and mourns his loss living with his dead girlfriend's family and staring at the sea. He probably listens to the cure a lot. Oh, God. Anyway, in the large group of jolly people, of course, Anne tries to make friends with the weird emo guy. And since she is well-read and has a true understanding of lost love, the two have a lot to talk about. The next morning, while walking along the beach, they happen to pass the eye of a gentleman coming the other way. The gentleman clearly admires Anne exceedingly, hmm. enough that Captain Wentworth actually gives Anne a second look to see what the other man is noticing. Later that day, she almost runs into the same gentleman in the inn, and when his carriage departs during the group's breakfast, everyone is eager to know who the mystery gentleman was. Their curiosity is rewarded, for this man is none other than the Mr. William Walter Elliot, cousin and heir to Anne's father, Sir Walter, who has been estranged from her family for many years. Oh, Walter. Oh, Walter. Oh, William. The group decides to take one last walk along the sea before they leave, and Captain Bennett goes with them. He gravitates to Anne again, but they are soon interrupted by another Musgrove struggling with gravity. This time it is obstinate Louisa. Coming down the two narrow steps in a lower walkway, Louisa insists that the captain, that the captain catch her. Captain Wentworth, that is. 
of course. He advises her against it, but of course she is determined. She jumps too soon, he misses her, and she falls to the stone and is knocked unconscious. Mary and Henrietta are hysterical over the seemingly dead Louisa, and even Charles and Wentworth are useless. Only Anne knows what to do. She dictates how to attend Louisa while propping up the fainting Henrietta, sends Captain Fenwick for a surgeon, and advises the men to carry Louisa to the inn. Before they can get there, they are stopped by the Harvilles and brought into the Harville house. There, Anne and the sensible Mrs. Harville attend to her and put her in a bed. Like, what would they do without Anne, seriously? They'd all be dead. At the rate that those Musgroves fall... Right? Like, they are, like, once a month, Yeah, someone has a serious, like... And they all turn hysterical. They are useless. <sighs> I mean, I really like the Musgroves. I would yeah. totally hang out with them. Oh, yeah, for sure. But they are a clumsy people. They really are. <laughs> they should probably not leave the house. They should wear helmets yeah. when they leave. <laughs> someone has to tell Louise's parents and bring Henrietta home, and Charles refuses to leave his sister's side. Mary also refuses because it would be a personal insult, so Anne and Captain Wentworth have to escape, have to escort the distraught Henrietta home. Poor Henrietta. After Henrietta falls asleep, Wentworth appeals to Anne's good sense about how best to break the news to the Musgroves. It is a small gesture, but is the first time he has really spoken to her directly and expressed a desire for her opinion since they were parted. Anne is left at Uppercross and is soon collected by Lady Russell. When Charles and Mary return, full of stories of Louisa's slow recovery, Charles is convinced that Fenwick is in love with Anna, is in love with Anne, and will soon be appearing at Lady Russell's to see her. He never materializes, and Anne and Lady Russell, after an unbearably noisy Christmas visit at Uppercross with all the little Musgrove children and all the little Hargrove children who have come to visit, oh my goodness, are still on their way to Bath. Again, an unknown or unnamed number of children, just like. It's like um, the Tasmanian devil when he, yeah. like, when he spins, spins, spins around. Spins. Like, yeah. You don't actually see his body. You just see like the motion. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that's what Christmas at the Musgroves is like. Just like the children are moving so fast you can't tell where they are or how oh. many there are. You just... just it sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so finally we're in Bath. <laughs> Anne is reunited with her father and older sister who are almost not unhappy to see her. <laughs> almost. Mrs. Clay is still living with them, and they are visited almost daily, as soon as Anne soon finds out, by their cousin, Mr. Elliot, Ooh. who is now a family favorite. Mr. Elliot is delighted to see her and to find that the pretty woman he saw on the beach at Lyme was, in fact, Anne Elliot. The snub so many years before has now been forgotten and smoothed over. Despite uh, Mr. Elliot getting along so well with both Sir Walter and Elizabeth, he also get along, gets along well with Anne, and she is amazed to find him so very agreeable. Mr. Elliot is a recent widower, which perhaps is why he has returned to the family fold. His wife had been rich, but of lower rank, and the Sir Walter Elliots had not approved of the match. Elizabeth is clearly aiming for Mr. Elliot again, but Lady Russell thinks Anne shouldn't rule out her own connection with him. Anne, although she enjoys his company very much, is not convinced. If she married him, she could be mistress of Kellynch Hall like her beloved mother. But although Mr. Elliot is good-natured and agreeable, he is too polished for Anne's liking. She feels she does not truly know him and finds it suspicious that he is able to get along equally with everyone in the house. Her sister, her father, herself, and even Mrs. Clay. I mean, it is really suspicious. Anne has good sense. She does. Lady Russell has a good personality. <laughs> <laughs> Anne soon meets up with another old friend, Mrs. Smith, a former schoolmate. Mrs. Smith has sunk in life. She is now a poor widow struggling with ill health. She has very little money, is an invalid, 
and is on her own in the world, but she is cheerful, optimistic, and unsinkable. She keeps herself occupied with knitting and with gossip that her nurse brings her. Anne's father mocks the friendship with the poor widowed Mrs. Smith, not realizing the insults at her could be applied to his own pet, Mrs. Clay, who is becoming more and more ensconced at the Elliot house. Mm-mm. And soon more friends arrive. The Crofts arrive in Bath, and they bring with them a letter from Mary full of Upper Cross news. To no one's surprise, Henrietta and Charles Hayter are engaged. But the shocker is that sad Captain Benwick and lively Louisa are also engaged. <gasps> Twist! Twist! Apparently during her long recovery in the Harville home, they fell in love. Aww. But now with both the Musgrove girls otherwise attached, no one is to marry Captain Wentworth. Whatever is he to do? I don't know. Hmm. And what's more, Admiral Croft soon confides in Anne that to his surprise, Wentworth doesn't seem very upset by it. Almost as if he was never seriously pursuing Louisa Musgrove after all. Mm. And the man himself is soon in Bath. The next time Anne in Bath the city, not like Bath. uh, Mm -hmm. Although that would be a fun bit of cosplay. That would. Um, The next time Anne leaves the house, they meet. Taking shelter from the rain, she sees him through the shop window. And within a few moments, he is inside with her. They awkwardly talk and are equally incapable of forming complete sentences. But Anne is soon whisked away by Mr. Elliot full of unanswered questions. A few days later, they meet at a concert. Waiting in the anteroom, she goes out of her way to speak with him, and they fall into a longer conversation than they have had since their estrangement. But there are landmines when they discuss potential objections to the marriage between Louisa Louisa and Bennock. Wentworth goes so... No, Rupert, no one cares what you think about this. (laughs) Wentworth goes so far as to say that though Louisa is sweet-tempered, she is not as clever as Bennock, and certainly not to be compared to the girl that Bennock once loved and lost. He says... A man does not recover from such a devotion of the heart to such a woman. He ought not. He does not. Swoon. Right. Mm-hmm. They are soon separated by the arrival of other friends, or rather her friends, and by the beginning of the concert. Mr. Elliot tries to distract Anne and flirt with her, but she has no interest in him. Good for her. He also teases her by saying that he had heard of her long before he met her. And again, she does not rise to the bait. Nope. She's more distracted by trying to begin conversation again with Captain Wentworth. Captain Wentworth finds an excuse to leave the concert early. No! Don't do it! Anne can only conclude that he is jealous of Mr. Elliot. Good sign. Well, the next morning, Anne visits Mrs. Smith again. She soon finds out that Mrs. Smith has known Mr. Elliot for years. Mrs. Smith is convinced Anne and Mr. Elliot will soon be very, will soon be married, as the gossip source Nurse Rook has heard through the grapevine that Mr. Elliot has intentions towards Anne. Anne assures Mrs. Smith very strongly that she has no interest in ever marrying Mr. Elliot. Once this is revealed, Mrs. Smith opens up. She knew Mr. Elliot before he was married, as he was her late husband's closest friend. Such a small world. I know. Well, I mean, honestly, the British aristocracy, there's like five five people people. and they're all married to each other. We just picked the same number. We did. I think we have been doing this for too long. (laughs) In fact, Mrs. Smith is the person who told Mr. Elliot about Anne and had praised her, so that's one more oh. mystery solved. But more than that, she reveals Mr. Elliot's true nature. He had openly mocked Sir Walter and Elizabeth to all his friends and, whole, and held the Elliot family honor cheap as dirt. He had married his wife for money and was cruel to her after doing so. He had led his friend Mr. Smith to financial ruin, and when Mr. Smith died, he refused to help Mrs. Smith resolve her problems with his estate so she could benefit, even though he had been appointed executor and that she had no other friends to help her. 
On top of this, Mrs. Smith had learned through Nurse Rook that Mr. Elliot had affixed himself to Sir Walter and Elizabeth after their arrival in Bath, not because of respect or a desire to mend the relationship with his family, but because he wanted to put himself as an obstacle between Sir Walter and the scheming Mrs. Clay. He feared that if Sir Walter remarried, Sir Walter might have a son to inherit. I mean, that's fair, but I wouldn't want to do Sir Walter. You wouldn't want to seduce Sir Walter? I wouldn't want to do Sir Walter. Or seduce. Or seduce. I mean, those mean the same things. I was just being classier. I'm sorry, have you bent me? (laughs) Yeah, uh, a little. Okay. So Anne now understands the truth about Mr. Elliot. He was indeed too polished and too agreeable to everyone. The man underneath is cold and calculating. Anne goes home determined to tell the truth to Lady Russell. But before she can do so, Mary and Charles arrive. They have come to Bath with Mrs. Musgrove, Henrietta, and Captain Harville to buy wedding clothes for Henrietta and Louisa, to see old friends, and for all the other sundry reasons that the Musgroves find to glom onto each other's plans. They're amazing. Mary and Anne head to the hotel, where they see all of their old friends again. Captain Wentworth soon arrives, and Anne and Wentworth speak more easily than before, and even mentioning old times. Oh. Elizabeth and Sir Walter arrive, and they not only acknowledge Captain Wentworth, but Elizabeth specifically invites him to the card party she is hosting the next night. Ooh. The next day, Anne visits the hotel again and finds Mrs. Musgrove, Mrs. Croft, Captain Harville, and Captain Wentworth. As Wentworth writes a letter, Harville confides in Anne his pain that Benwick is burying another woman and not his poor sister Fanny. He says that Fanny would not have forgotten him so soon, and Anne agrees. Quote, it would not be in the nature of any woman who truly loved. There then begins one of the best exchanges in literature, as Harville and Anne debate who has stronger feelings and loves longest, men or women. Harville claims that all history stories and poetry are against her, and Anne counters that they were all written by men. Yep. Finally, Anne concludes that although she knows Harville is capable of all things great and good, she claims for her sex only the privilege of loving longest when existence or when hope is gone. Wentworth has overheard all of this, and he slyly leaves a note for Anne without the others seeing. It confesses his true feelings, that he has never forgotten Anne or stopped loving her, and that he has come to Bath solely for her. Oh, God. Anne contrives to leave, and Charles escorts her only to find Captain Wentworth on the street outside. Conveniently waiting. Right. Charles begs Wentworth to take Anne home so he can keep an appointment and see a gun, and Wentworth happily agrees. Gotta see a guy about a gun. I gotta see a guy about a gun. Wentworth and Anne are finally alone, finally understand each other, and can finally begin to make up for the eight years they spent apart. Oh, God. All that is left now is to disappoint Mr. Elliot, show up Elizabeth, and help poor Mrs. Smith regain some of her lost property as a thanks for exposing Mr. Elliot's true nature. I just love this book It's such a good book! All right, so (laughs) now that I have completely dissected the entire not dissected but completely gone through the entire book <laughs> Sam would you like to talk about the movie sure I don't think I will be any m- more concise than you are so <laughs> <laughs> this may be a really long episode <laughs> okay so we open on a bo- on the bottom of a rowboat filled with British Navy men yeah are they singing I can't remember no I think they're just rowing oh that's a shame I know. missed opportunity very missed very mm-hmm. missed uh, then quick cut over to a man and a woman in a dog cart, and then back to the rowboat, with a flash to a terrible painted backdrop of a warship. Which, didn't they steal that from another movie? No, that's the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. Sorry. God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, giving away all of your best material. <laughs> the dog cart eventually comes to a large manor house, where the man is accosted by what appear to be creditors. 
We are then brought to a large estate where a well-dressed woman, who turns out to be Lady Russell, a close confidant of the Elliot family, alights from a carriage and enters the house. We are introduced to the Elliot family when Sir Walter insists he will not have a sailor in his house. He then proceeds to tell a story about a Navy man he met who looked at least 60 when in fact he was only 40. Sir Walter is the worst. Sir Walter is the worst. He cares only about appearances and status. The Elliots are in dire financial straits, and the family has gathered to convince Sir Walter and his daughter Elizabeth on what remedies are required. Dun dun dun! Right? Retrench! <laughs> <laughs> Rather than retrenching, <laughs> they decide to let Kellynch Hall to Admiral Croft and his wife and relo relocate to Bath. Sir Walter's daughter Anne, the heroine of our story, is familiar with Admiral Croft and his exploits and knows the brothers of Mrs. Croft. Anne is discomfited when she is reminded of the Taylor brother. Mrs. Clay is invited to accompany the Elliots to Bath. Anne is to be shipped to her younger sister Mary's house to take care of the constantly ill Mary. Quote, unquote, constantly ill. I know, right? She thinks she's, she's ill. She's constantly ill. Elizabeth, Sir Walter, and Mrs. Clay depart for Bath with Elizabeth, who is the worst, leaving Anne an incredibly long laundry list of things that need to be done before the Crofts take up residence. Elizabeth is the worst. Right? She's just like, oh, and somebody needs to go see the people to say goodbye, and we need to make sure that all the silver's away, and... She treats them like a servant. She really does. In the books, I feel it's more like she just kind of ignores Anne, and the movie is straight up like, oh, and do everything yeah. for Yeah, and oh, by the way, you're you're definitely beneath me, so... She's so much worse. Oh, she really is. She's the worst. Oh, she's such the worst. Um, Sir Walter's all like, bye, Felicia! Clearly, this family is super close and loving. There is a montage as Anne, as Anne sees to the closing up the house, and she finds a note fold, folded into the shape of a boat. Is this from the sailor brother? And embarks on her journey to Mary's house, Upper Cross. We learn more about the circumstances with the sailor brother, including that Lady Russell convinced Anne to become unengaged from this young man when she was 19. Mm. So sad. So sad. Anne arrives at Upper Cross to find Mary laid out on the window seat, feeling rather poorly and complaining of all the trials she must endure, including her two sisters-in-law, Henrietta and Louisa. What follows are several scenes of Mary talking and Anne listening, as Anne is an instant balm to all Mary's ills. We also learn that Mary is like her family and cares very, cares very much for status and protocol. Oh, God, they're all such snobs. Right? Mary must always, always enter the room before her sisters-in-law. Because she has precedence. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We next visit Mary's in-laws, who all adore Anne much more than they care for Mary. Mary is pissy at the attention Charles pays Anne. A little bit of jealousy! Mm -hmm. The next montage is a series of scenes that include Mary's mother-in-law complaining about Mary, Mary complaining about Mrs. Musgrove, Charles complaining about Mary, and even Henrietta and Louisa each taking turns, and acts as peacemaker the I, entire time. I love that sequence because yes. it's like... It all comes around so it's so yep. brilliantly, and it's just like everyone hates Mary, and Mary hates everyone. Yep. And everything they com they complain about is about Mary. Mary complains about them. Yes. And like the two sides of the coin, but like one side of the coin is just really terrible, and it's Mary. It's so true, and but I it's a really it's a really well done sequence. It is, and it, like I think this is one of the great things about this adaptation is they take what is a very wordy, lengthy sequence in the book, 
but they make it very visual and you still mm-hmm. you still get to the feel of the relationships between the characters you still understand how mary is the worst and the musgroves are the are you know great but that and is really the glue that holds mm-hmm. everything together and i love how it just ends with charles kind of like sinking down i said and going oh and she's like yeah no i know i know and like you just i love I love how that scene just builds the relationship that Anne has with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there are any additional Musgrove children in the movie. No, they're not. It's just the three of them. It's probably easier from like a casting perspective. Oh, for sure. And then, I mean, with children, you have to worry about like hours anyways. Oh, so yeah. You can't work them like you used to in Dickens Day. No. It's a real shame. Oh, it's a real shame. I mean, they should really probably just strike those laws. Oh, Rupert, Rupert. agrees. Hi, Rupert. Rupert. You really like the movie too, huh? Admiral and Mrs. Croft come to Uppercrust to meet the Musgroves. Mrs. Croft has a -a tete-a-tete with Anne and scares Anne by mentioning her brother. It turns out, of course, it was the curate brother and not the sailor brother. Close call there. Admiral Croft reveals that the sailor brother is actually coming for a visit, though. Oh, no, Anne. Dun, dun, dun. Quick, retrench. Oh, wait, no, that's not what that means. (laughs) I feel like that's what it should mean. It should, yeah. No. Like, I think for a long time I thought retrenching was, like, a World War One thing. Like, oh, we need to but retrench. Build the trench. <laughs> Take it back, boys. Take oh, it back. It's not yeah, funny no. to joke about World War One. No. Oh, the Great War. That's so sad. It's but anyway, let's go back to the, let's go back to happy times. Yeah, Regency. Yay. Let's fight Napoleon. Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Her brother is a captain now, just returned to England, newly wealthy. Mm-hmm. The Musgroves are, inti- are invited to the big house for dinner with Captain Frederick Wentworth, and Anne is clearly looking forward to it. Yeah, not so much. Mm-mm. But she is saved when her nephew breaks his arm and she has to act as his nursemaid. It's a very convenient um, timing. Right? Deus ex broken arm. <laughs> broken arm ex machina. Right. <laughs> Captain Captain Wentworth surprises Anne the next morning, though, when he stops by briefly before he's to go off hunting with Charles. The young Miss Musgroves and Mary decide to walk with the Captain and Charles. The Captain delivers a withering comment on Anne's appearance that Mary, of course, repeals, repeats as she steals Anne's book. And just, I know. Just takes just, it from her. I, it's, it's just so telling of the relationship. Right? Anne's reading a book. Mary, like, without actually, like, stopping talking, takes the book out and of Anne's hand. it. Start flipping through it and then starts reading it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, your ex-boyfriend doesn't think you're very pretty anymore. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. She says, Anne is so altered that he would not have known her again. And yeah. I'm like, thanks, Mary. Um, thanks. Is, so that's, and that's when uh, Henrietta, Louisa, and Mary all follow the men hunting, which is not something women would normally do back no. then. They would not have gone hunting. And then while the men are shooting, they, like, applaud. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> such a great scene. <laughs> And you're just like, okay, you have nothing better to do with your time. Yeah. yeah. The young Miss Musgroves are, in, are infatuated with Captain Wentworth, who manages to get small digs in at Anne, including one about not having a wife in the year she turned him down. Mm-hmm. He he is so good at he is sliding those in. Yeah. And, like, he kind of, like, looks at her out of the corner of his eye every time he gets oh, one out. Sam, does he get looks in? He gets looks in. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the looks are in both the book and the mm-hmm. movie. Right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Everyone thinks Captain Wentworth is in love with one of the Miss Musgroves. Henrietta, however, has previously been connected with her cousin Hayter, so all signs point to Louisa. Louisa reveals that Charles had asked Anne to marry him, but she turned him down, and then he asked Mary, who accepted. 
Poor Charles. Do any better. No. Uh, there are a few name changes from the book to the movie, and this is one. Yeah, Henry Hater is in the movie, right? In the movie, he's Henry Hater. In the book, Henry he's Charles Henrietta. Hater. Because everyone is named Charles in the Musgrove family. <laughs> so I think he just, like, to ease confusion, they yeah. didn't have them have the but same But they could have picked something other than Henry, because Henrietta's now marrying a Henry. Oh, but that's cute. Is it? I mean, I wouldn't do it, but... <laughs> if you wouldn't do it, is it really cute? There's a lot of things. I also wouldn't marry my cousin, but it's not the 1800s anymore, so... That's fair. We don't know... Oh, no, we do know that they're first cousins. Never mind. Henry and... Henrietta? Yeah. 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 I was gonna say, we don't know how closely they are related as cousins, but no, no I believe they Charles are Charles says, I have to go visit my mom's sister or something like that. Yeah. It's... It's explicit. Yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Captain, okay, so back to the story. Great Britain is just... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not just Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think we need to move on. Let's not, let's not talk about this anymore. No, no, let's, let's just, yeah, let's, let's get back to the movie. Um, okay, so then Captain Wentworth plans to visit his friend Harville and Lyme, and Charles, Mary, Anne, Henrietta, and Louisa all join him. Here, Wait, do they, do any of them go to the bathroom by themselves? Like, I have to wonder. They just, they no. all go everywhere in groups. They do. I mean, I feel like Charles and Captain Wentworth are, like, connected at the hip right now. They're, like, BFFs. Yeah, and, like, Mary won't let anyone go with anywhere without her because she might miss out. FOMO. Super FOMO. Super FOMO. And Louisa and Henrietta are, like, I mean, they're they're really sweet because they're, like, best friends and sisters. Yeah. But also neither <laughs> of them goes anywhere without yep. the other. And then, like, they just drag Anne along because if they, they could, can't stand Mary. If they could... <laughs> we need a buffer. Bring Anne. If Henrietta and Louisa could both marry Captain Wentworth, they would. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, so there's a line. Great Britain. You can marry your cousin, but you can't marry the same dude as your sister. And there is the there's line. There's the line. See? Yeah. It's not all. There you go. It's not. <laughs> okay, so back to back to the movie. <laughs> They're, oh, going to They're going to They're going to Lyme. Yeah. So here we meet Captain Harville and his wife, as well as Captain Benwick, who pines after his deceased love, Captain Harville's sister, Phoebe. Again, I think that's a name change. Yeah, in the book she's, she's Fanny, Fanny. Yeah. Which is also a dirty word in England, so I think that's why they, they thought it'd be too distracting and change it to Phoebe. They don't change Fanny's name in Mansfield Park. It was a different production. Mm. I'm not, like, disagreeing with you. Someone somewhere was working on the script and thought, Fanny, that means lady parts. Let's call her Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah, that's better. Anne and Captain Bennick bond over their love for poetry and their lost loves. Anne is also noticed and admired by a stranger, who turns out to be her cousin, Mr. William Elliot, the heir to Kellynch Law, who is not on speaking terms with Sir Walter. Louisa is severely injured when she falls as she jumps into Captain Wentworth's arm on the seawall stairs. Anne takes charge, ensuring Louisa is well cared for. Anne travels back to Upper Cross with Captain Wentworth and Henrietta, while Charles and Mary stay to care for Louisa. When Louisa finally wakes up, though, Charles rushes home, but doesn't bother to tell Anne when he sees her first, instead rushing up the stairs to yell for his mother. So, my only quibble here is, like, yes, you definitely want to tell your mom that her, her daughter is, has woken up and is, it's, you know, well. Same time, like, as you're walking, you could say, she's awake, Anne. She's awake. I think he understood that Anne was going to follow and hear the news. But she doesn't. She just stays in the room. I don't. 
I just eh. even though the even though I really like the Musgroves, it's not like they prioritize. Anne. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they, they all love Anne. her. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and, and honestly, I'm, I am glad she didn't marry Charles. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, he's kind of a buffoon. He's all right. Yeah. I mean, I have no quibbles with him. I don't, but I just wouldn't marry him. No, definitely not. Um. So there's a 1970s version of Persuasion that is on YouTube, and it's terrible. Oh, yeah, you made me watch that. <laughs> not the whole thing. I just, just the scene I have, where Louisa falls. I have not seen the whole thing. I can't sit through it. But I fast-forwarded to when Louisa falls because it's just so bad. But the guy who plays Charles in that version is, like, they really go out of the, their way to make him, like, very unappealing. Yeah, they do. And, like, I don't think Charles is that bad. No, he's, he's not, not. like... I mean, he's Anne just, cares for him. He's just kind of an oaf. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I mean, he's better than William. He's better than, than anyone whose last name is Elliot. Seriously. And so that ends that The Tale of Lime. The Tale of Lime. The Tale of Lime. Anne then travels to Bath to reunite with the family, the final stop in her journey. She learns her father and sister have met Mr. Elliot and have repaired their relationship. The Crofts also travel to Bath for the Admiral's health, and the Admiral reveals Louisa and Captain Benwick have fallen in love and plan to marry soon. Anne discovers her school friend Mrs. Smith lives in Bath. Mrs. Smith is an invalid, and they are both grateful to renew their friendship. The Musgroves and Captains Wentworth and Harville then arrive in Bath as well. Captain Wentworth and Anne run into each other several times and are interrupted by Mr. Elliot each time, most notably at a concert, which causes which causes Captain Wentworth to leave abruptly. Don't go! Right? And poor oh. Anne's like, no! Oh! oh it's, I hate that. It's so oh, uncomfortable to so watch. so sad. And of course, everyone is convinced Anne and Mr. Elliot are to be married, which frustrates Anne to no end. Like, seriously, like, she really comes alive when she's, like, talking to Mrs. Smith and, yeah. like, just saying, why, why is everybody saying this? Yeah. Like, I have done nothing to, like, even show that I like Ugh, him. It's like being in high school again. It really is. Everyone has rumors around you. Ugh. It's awful. Mrs. Smith's caretaker reveals Mr. Elliot has lost all his money and has only made amends with Sir Walter to ensure Sir Walter doesn't remarry and produce an heir to replace Mr. Elliot. After overhearing a conversation between Anne and Captain Harville about the constancy of a woman's love compared to a man's, Captain Wentworth writes Anne the most amazing letter, confessing his love for her and no other. Seriously, the best thing ever. And it's so well done in the movie because, so well like, done. they have their the voiceovers overlapping between his voice and mm -hmm. her voice. It's so And their voices beautiful. blend. Mm -hmm. and it's just really good. Oh, I love it. Oh. Oh. So Anne and Captain Wentworth confess their love for each other and agree to marry. Yay! Yay! And, of course, her family can't believe it but because they are the worst, so that's fine. We close with Anne joining Captain Wentworth on his ship as they sail off to war happily ever after. Fun fact. Spoiler alert from earlier. Sorry. The last shot of the ship silhouetted by the sun is actually from the movie Mutiny on the Balcony. Bounty. Haha. -ha. Good job, guys. Um, recycling. Also, yeah, recycle. Why, why waste <laughs> precious films to put it? Um, so, uh, and speaking, and one more, like, getting their looks in. In that last scene at the party when Captain Wentworth shows up and asks for Anne's hand in marriage, we get a great shot of Elizabeth looking pissed, and then a great shot of Mr. Elliot looking pissed. Yes. And then a great job of Mrs. Clay kind of like, oh. oh. Yep. Looking guilty. Yeah. And it's just like, there's some great looks Yay. getting in. And then Sir Walter says, you want to marry Anne? <laughs> He's like, why? Why, <laughs> why He's, would you want to do that? Because 
he's the worst. Oh my god, they're so the worst. <laughs> um, so, oh, but, you know, they kind of get their comeuppance because William makes Mrs. Clay his mistress and maybe oh. then his wife. Oh yeah, oh I totally, I totally ah. skipped, I didn't cover that in, in, and so let's, let's talk about illicit sex and Jane Austen. Oh my god, it's everywhere. So all along, Mr. Elliot was playing like a triple game. He's sucking up to Elizabeth and Sir Walter. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get Anne to marry him. And he's also messing around with Mrs. Clay, yep. trying to draw her away from Sir Elliot. But the last we hear of them in the book is that they head off to London together. So Mrs. Clay is now under his protection. Which is, aka, she's his mistress. She's now his mistress. But he's definitely not, like, great. But the way it's phrased in the book is kind of... Like, leaves it open that he exactly. might still marry her. Yep. She might still convince him to marry her. Exactly. Like, he totally banged her to keep her from banging his uncle, which is a weird. It's so weird. It's like, but, the, like, I guess it doesn't really matter to him, like, if, like, if he has a kid with her and, like, then the kid no, the money because do whatever they he, want. He, he's still going to get the money. Yeah. You know, like, and he's going to die. But she might but... convince him to marry her because she's... I think there's also, there's a little bit of a... The social mores around what a widow can do and what an unmarried mm-hmm. woman can do are different. So the fact that she's a widow and clearly not a virgin yeah, it's, makes it a it's little, little less little, yeah. wrong yeah. than, say, Pride if and Prejudice she, when um, Lydia runs, runs off. off. Yep. But it's still like, yeah, and in, oh, in, in Mansfield Park, unmarried. too, married Henry Crawford and mm. what's her name? The cousin. Yeah. What's her name? One of the awful ones. One of Marie, Mariah. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> she, uh, She's the one who plays the Queen Mother. Oh, that's not the same one who plays Henrietta? Yeah. Oh. Yes. yes. Oh, and I that's know that actress's name. Um, Victoria. She is a fantastic something. actress. We saw her on Broadway. Oh. That's, she, she was, was in, in the, the Day of the Death of Joe Day of the Death of Joe Egg oh, with Eddie Izzard. God, yeah. I love him. I know you do. We don't have any Eddie Izzard movies on our list yet, do we? I don't know if he's been in. We'll have to look to see if he's been what adaptations he's been in. I don't think Ocean's 12 counts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do any of the ocean movies? No. What? I'm so confused. I, I don't know. I have to look um, it up. <laughs> that's so bizarre. Uh, she's she's a fantastic actress. I've seen her in other stuff. Um, her name is no, that's the older sister. Oh, oh, right, that's Elizabeth. Her name is Victoria Hamilton. Hamilton, and she is wonderful. I mean, she, yeah, she's the queen mother in the crown. She, yeah, she's Mansfield Park. She's Mary. Mariah Bertram. Oh, man. She's in a lot of stuff. And she is in... Oh, a lot of stuff I've never heard of or care about. Okay, so we're going to Never mind. That. We're going to put that down. We're going to put IMDb away. <laughs> so, I feel like we did a lot of talking over each other during the... We did. So, we don't have to do a lot of discussion. Do you no. want to skip forward to some fun sure. and games? Sure. Let's play some games. Yay! Yay! So, shall we kick it off with heartthrobs and hairdos? Yes. Sam, who are your top three hotties in this? All right. Well, I only got one. (laughs) I'm sorry, but they did not pick the pretty British people. Is it Captain Benick? Oh, my God. How'd you know? I mean, sarcastic. It totally is. No, no, it's not. It's Captain Hines. It's Captain Wentworth, Karen Hines. So, it's a little unfair to play three hotties with this because Austin is clearly writing a book about how these people only love each other and everything else is a distraction. So, there there are no other options. No. Like, but there's I mean, no doubt. They could have cast somebody a little bit more attractive for Captain Harville, in my opinion. Captain Harville. All right. So, I will tell you my three hotties. Okay. 
I decided to go pull a Louisa Musgrove, <laughs> who says that the men of the Navy are the only men worth having. And yeah. I am with her. Nice. The men of the Navy are the only ones <laughs> worth having. So my hotties are um, Captain Wentworth. Oh, clearly. Clearly. So tall. Mm. Uh, Captain Hargrove. He may not be the most handsome, but he is open. Yes, and he kind, is. And he loves his and that, wife. And he's so good to his wife. Like, you can tell he's a good husband yeah. and a good and he, father. And like, he, like, he, he's upset for his dead sister. Yeah, and, like, that good. That exchange they yeah. have is, like, this wonderful, like, warm debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a toss-up between Captain Bennock and Admiral Croft. And I think I have to go with Admiral Croft mm-hmm. because, although he is older, like, I think he's aging well. And you can, yeah. I, I look at Admiral Croft, I'm like, yeah. That's the kind of man you want to grow old yes, with. That, yes, exactly. That's so if who you I was like with. Fiona Shaw, mm, and totally. we are of a similar age. Yes. Admiral Croft yes. all the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. So that's where that's where I went. I support that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about top three styles and or outfits? Okay, top three styles or outfits. So the first part of the movie was like a desert. Yes. Anne's clothes are dull mm. and boring and the... the I mean, the costumes were all, like, really well done, mm-hmm. but there was not a lot to, like, catch my eye until we were in Bath. Yeah, no. So, um, when the Elliots go to visit the Dalrymple, Elizabeth is wearing this amazing dark raspberry coat, mm, which yes. I wanted. Um, and then when they go to the concert, mm-hmm. my outfit number two and number three are Anne and Elizabeth's yes. dresses from that. So, yep. Anne's dress, it's hard to tell if it's a white or a pale blue, but it's really simple, but when you look closer, there's a lot of really wonderful detail, mm-hmm. lace and buttons, and it's very ornate and very mm-hmm. very delicate and very beautiful, and Elizabeth is wearing, like, red. Yeah, she and is. And it is, it is really, it's got, like, gold details, and there's, like, got, like, gold dots on it, so, so their concert dresses are, are my mm-hmm. outfits, two and, two yes. and three. What are your outfits? So, I again, I only had one because, oh. um... <laughs> I was like, I wasn't really drawn to anything, and like, but when in the very last scene at the party where Captain Wentworth comes and announces his intention to marry Anne, the dress that Anne is wearing is just so. It's like, I don't know if it's a pale pink or, but it's just so stylish and like, you know, she looks looks so. Isn't that funny? I completely forgot alive. about that dress. Like, you only chose one, and I chose three, and we still don't have an overlap. Yeah, it's pretty pretty that impressive. Is interesting. Yeah. We overlapped on our top hottie, though. We did. So. Yeah. Again, so. there's not a lot of options. No. No, there really aren't. Um, so should we move on to quizzes and questions? Yes. Sam. Yes. Uh, my first question for you, and this is a little leading, but when rereading the book, did you cast Donald Trump as Sir Walter and Ivanka as Elizabeth Elliot in your head? Course. Because I did. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? And once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, it just takes that relationship between Sir Walter and Elizabeth to a whole new level. Well, and like, especially in in the movie, he's he's got like that light blonde mm-hmm. hair, and he's like and got the affect of Donald Trump. And I mean, like a British, he's like a British yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah, he really is. Like, Corey they're Redgrave so did a really obsessed. Good job. Yes, he was very good. They're so obsessed with appearance and with the appearance of wealth and with money without any interest in the responsibilities that go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, all he cares about what other people look like, but seems completely oblivious to the fact that he is aging and is not as handsome as he once was. Yeah. Like, and then 
when he starts complaining about black people, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Nah. Sir Walter didn't do that. Sir no, Walter you, is. but you, you, you thought he did, didn't you, people? Yeah. You, you, now yeah. you're, like, going back to your script, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, so the question, the answer to the question was yes, yes. then. Yes. Okay. Of course. <laughs> All right, so, Anna, who is your least favorite character? That's a really hard one because the aliens are the worst. <laughs> They're so, so awful. Um, like when I think about like other Austin novels, I think I have a hard time thinking of any characters who are as bad as the Elliots right? are. Oh my god, it's like she was saving the best for last. Oh god, they're so, they're so horrible, and it's kind of like amazing that Anne is who she is. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in her family is so awful. Yeah, well, I think Anne got all the good from her mother. Seriously. And the other two were just from her taking father. it from her father, yeah. Like, Mary's okay. Mary, I feel like, could have been better if everyone else in her family had been better. Yes. Elizabeth and Sir Walter are straight up. So I guess Sir Walter and Elizabeth, but honestly, I feel like Mr. Elliot might be the worst. Yeah. Because he is, he's like more... He's more dangerous. He's more dangerous because, like, Sir Walter and Elizabeth, yes, they're, they're, um, you know, kind of stuck up and ignorant and stuff like that, but they're not malicious. They're also, yeah, they're very limited, but that's also, you see, you, you get just, what you, you see. Exactly. Like, it's like, oh, those are silly, stupid, malicious yeah. people. You know, right, you, well. like, you see them, they're not going to stab you in the back. They're going to stab you in the front. Yeah. Well, like, William Elliot. Face. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I think Mr. Will, I think Mr. Elliot is the yeah. worst, okay. truly. Yeah. Although no, it's so much fun to snark on Sir Walter. Oh well, they make it so easy. He's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Sam, where would you say this book ranks in the Austin canon for you? Uh, this is my second favorite. What is your first favorite, Pride and Prejudice? Yes. And... Okay. Honestly, the reason Prime Pressure is my favorite is because it was the very first one I ever read. It was the first one I read, too. Oh, yay! So, I actually, I was given Sense and Sensibility by my grandmother first. So, it wasn't the first book I owned. But it was, like, it was the Penguin Classic version. So, the font was, like, this small. And I was, like, 10. And so, it was, like, too You were quite right, for me. You yeah. right there yet. Okay. And so, then, like, the very next year, I was at, a li- like, a library sale. And they had, like, this um, unabridged version of Pride and Prejudice. But it was, like you know, kind of smaller and shorter and like the, it was a, a little bit of a bigger font. So it, was, it seemed more approachable. Mm-hmm. And so I just tore through it and I was just like, yes. And then Persuasion was one of the one, one of the ones I actually read towards the end. Like it wasn't, I read Sensibility next and then I think it was like Emma and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I just, the characterizations in this book mm-hmm. and the, I like the romance between Anne and Captain Wentworth is so subtle, but so well done. Mm-hmm. And like, there's just, there's so many relationship goals and like, Anne is just such a genuinely wonderful person. Yeah. It's a very mature book. It, it really is. I mean, it's, I find it really interesting that this was first published with Northanger Abbey, which mm-hmm. is such a, Northanger Abbey is such a, a slight book. Like, it's it's a satire. It, yeah. And it's about a silly 17-year-old girl who thinks she's living in a novel and isn't. <laughs> she's you know? so like it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cute book, but it, I mean, it is cute. No one would say Persuasion yeah. is cute. So it's amazing the Yeah. Like, they don't of, really go hand in fi- hand. You know, yeah. 14, 15 years between the two books, the, the, the way her writing has it's become more grown. complex yeah. and richer. And you just... 
course, have to wonder what she would have written if she lived a little longer. Yeah. Ugh. So sad. Okay, so my question, second one, is kind of a funny one. But seriously, why is it so hard to film Louisa's fall? <laughs> there is not a single version of this movie where they get the film. Because if you are doing... Okay, I will tell you why. If you are doing a Jane Austen adaptation and you have to pay all of your budget for Regency costumes, mm-hmm. those stupid navy hats are wicked expensive. <laughs> you have to pay to rent horses and all of these stupid period locations. You have no budget for a fight director. Over any kind, so instead of you just stunts. do the slow motion, like, ah. and then like, and then like, film the hand. Yes, the, so Switch. that you don't actually see the body. <laughs> I mean, the but the nineteen seventies version, it's even worse. So there's Why that. Why is it so hard? This movie is so good. It is so good. And then they have like like one or two things that you're like, oh, you were on a tight budget. Yeah, yeah. It's that the fall and the the, the and the matte painting of the, the ship. <laughs> It's like, like I oh, they didn't it. have an effects budget. No. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, it's just, I'm the first like when we rewatched it together. I think I was looking away at that moment, so I, it didn't strike me again. But then I had to rewatch it again to like you know kind of refine my notes, and like it was right there. And I was like, oh wow, they're not even trying to yeah, hide that that's a that painting. Closely. Just if if Kieran Hines or Amanda Root is not on screen, there's no just, point in looking. No, exactly. So just don't yeah, pay attention. it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I have one more question for you. Okay. Who would you choose, Henrietta or Louisa? Oh. Right? Hmm. I would choose... Probably Henrietta. Why? Um, it seems like it's easier to talk some sense into her <laughs> than it is Louisa obstinate girl yeah i mean they're both silly they're both little i mean they're like 19 yeah exactly they're like they're they they're definitely their age um you know one of the things one of the the things that i think is not necessarily in henrietta's favor is she's easily persuaded Mm. um but i think she's she's easily persuaded when she knows it when it's what she wants Mm. You know, when they, when Louisa drags her to Charles Hayter's house, um, you know, it, she really, it's not like she's doing something she doesn't want to do. She's like, it's not really against her will. She's just like, she's She's being indecisive. Yeah. Yeah. She's torn between Mary and, you know, Mary's stuck up attitude and, you know, kind of what she wants, which is her cousin. Mm -hmm. So, but I would choose Henrietta. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I have one more question for you. Yes. Why do you love this book so much? Oh, I think we've talked about some of it, but um, I, I just think it's it's unique as a romance because it is about someone who has lost love and, and gets it back. I think there's something just really lovely about um, because their relationship was very strong before, once Captain Wentworth and Anne do kind of overcome their obstacles, things click into place very fast. And it's not weird because they had the previous relationship. Mm-hmm. It, when you, it, it can be a little off-putting when you're reading a period novel and then like three weeks after you meet someone, they're engaged. Yes. Whereas this is like, oh no, they really did know each other a long time ago and they've had a long time to think about how no one they've met since. Lives up wonderful. to, yeah. And um, I won't say Captain Wentworth is my favorite Austin hero. 
because I don't think he is, but he is, he is a great hero. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's intelligent and passionate and he is imperfect in that he, you know, didn't just like come back a year later and be like, all right, I have some money now. Can we get married now? Like, yeah. Right. And Anna would be proud. like, uh, yeah, of course. Seriously. Let's go. Like that's, that <laughs> was on green him. Trip. <laughs> that was on him. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like for, for me, persuasion hits the sweet spot between like, as much as I, I love Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth is, um, is the girl we all want to be. Yes. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have like Fanny and Mansfield Park, who I find to be kind of a doormat. Yes. And Anne's a little in the middle. Like she does get walked on a lot, especially in the beginning, but she stands up for herself mm-hmm. and she, she knows what's right and she does what she believes to be right. Yes. And so I mean, she, yeah, and like, I love, like, in the book where she even says to Captain Wentworth, I wasn't wrong to turn you down mm. in the beginning. No. She was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yep. It's like she didn't, she, she might have regretted, like, not, like, all the missed time, but she didn't actually regret being persuaded by her friends. She doesn't, she doesn't regret making a sensible choice. Right. Which is, I mean... Not only was it that he didn't have any money, but having a wife could be an obstacle to mm-hmm. him making money. Right. So, like, if they had gotten married, he may not have been in a, such a position where right. he ended up. And that's how she saw it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, yeah. Lestai. All right. So, let's hand out some awards. Mm. Fake awards. Fake awards. So, um, who does the Jeff Goldblum Award go to? Um... The mutiny on the bounty, Jack. <laughs> you know, I think that actually is a good choice because there aren't. Although there are British actors in this that I have definitely seen in other things, there's no one in this that I'm like, oh, is that guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the mutiny on the bounty, Petra. Oh man. Like I think oh, the person. God. I think the person I recognized the most the first time I saw this was Fiona Shaw, probably mm-hmm. because of Three Men and a Little Lady. Yep. Which and I had seen many times. Harry Potter, if you watch those. Well, I Harry Potter came out after this movie. Yes. I had seen this movie several times before I saw Harry That's Potter. That's true. I did too, but But like it's not like Fiona Shaw is like, oh it's Fiona Shaw. I mean she's oh, she loses so herself in Mrs. Crop. Like mm-hmm. she does a great job. She's so good. So yeah, mutiny on the bounty. Okay. Thanks. Unaccountably sexy. <laughs> mutiny on the bounty backdrop. <laughs> I would like to give the Donald Trump award to <laughs> Sir Walter Elliott and his terrible comb over. Nice. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, so I would like to give the worst support system award to the Elliots. <laughs> <laughs> they are the worst. The worst. Oh, oh man. Um, and I would like to give Best inexplicable Muppet impression, also to Sir Walter Elliot. Yes, I was. I thought you were gonna say Captain Benick because of his hair in the movie. No, but... no, no, no. There's that scene where he's sitting at the table and he starts getting like really animated, and he's like only moving his upper body <laughs> in this really weird way, and it's like it's like there's someone underneath him pushing Just his push, shoulders yeah. off, and like they forgot to like t- take the hands and move them around. <laughs> he has like really limp. It's it's a wonderful physical performance <laughs> from an Austin actor. <laughs> 
right, and my final award is the award for Way to Get Your Lady Back to Captain Wentworth. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, I'm going to add in a bonus award yeah. for Best Spontaneous Italian Translation to Anna Yes. Elliot. I think we should not skip over that no, she's like, randomly is really good at Italian. Right? It's like, I mean, she has nothing else to do, her so it's skills, not surprised. Her skills pay the bills. They really do. Except they don't, which is why they have to rent out the house. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So I think I think we've we've done it. I think we spent about three hours talking about this book and movie. So. And minimum <laughs> snark. And minimum snark. It's all from her. It's all from Jane Austen. We we cannot possibly match her snarkness. No, we can't. We bow down to her. We do. So Sam, what are we doing next time? So in the next episode, we find out what happens when an author and his number one fan collide in Stephen King's Misery. We will watch as James Conn and Kathy Bates face off in an epic duel, which may or may not involve a sledgehammer. And as, as, and as is tradition, we will challenge ourselves with the game of six degrees. How would you connect persuasion to misery? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to think about that now. <laughs> like, philosophically, how does persuasion lead to misery? Hmm. Hmm. We want to hear from you. <laughs> Send questions, comments, and your six degrees to adaptedwithannaandsam at gmail.com. Or you can post on Facebook. You can find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Adapted Podcast. Let's keep this conversation going. Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Sam, and I wish Dragonheart was based on a book. I'm Anna, and I wish Three Men and a Little Lady was based on a book. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.